Radio.com. It is Thursday, the 10th of August, the Feast of St. Lawrence. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray for our deacons. Lord, you call deacons to be servants of your word and your table. Inspire in them a deep love for prayer, for preaching, and for the poor. You took your place among those caught by sorrow and distress. Fill all deacons with compassion for the sick and the suffering. You are the courage of martyrs. Protect those whose ministry takes them into dark and dangerous places. O Lord, the fire of your love filled the martyr St. Lawrence with the courage to defy the fear of death for the sake of the gospel. Grant all your people the grace to love as he loved, to live as he lived, and to die in the faith for which he died. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Lawrence, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman is at the controls. And Father Robert Nixon will be on the line here in a little bit to talk about the sunflower as one of the many flowers that are reflective of the virtues of Mary. We've been going through St. Ildefonsus of Toledo's Crown of the Virgin, and the sunflower is our latest stop in that discussion. Michelle Sagarina will tell you about an extraordinary way that you can uh, make your little gift go a long way with cross-Catholic outreach in terms of feeding the hungry, uh, which is a great topic for today because that's what St. Lawrence was all about, and we're going to talk more about how he was about that with Monsignor Charles Pope. Uh, also, Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast will give us a Catholic perspective on cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy. You try and say that this early in the morning. Well, we got through it. Two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The wildfires in Hawaii have now killed at least 36 people. Officials in Maui said today that the deaths were discovered, quote, amid the active Lahaina fire. The wind-whipped wildfires have forced hundreds of people to evacuate, overwhelmed hospitals, and drove some people into the ocean to escape the flames. Entire blocks of homes and businesses in the historic town went up in smoke, where fires fueled by wind from a passing hurricane were concentrated. The popular tourist spot turned into a raging inferno in just hours. Pope Francis has offered prayers for the people affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia, where floods and mudslides have caused death and destruction. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Pope Francis recalled that in recent days, dramatic natural phenomena have occurred in Slovenia and Georgia, causing death and material destruction. He said he is praying for victims. I pray for the victims and express my spiritual closeness to their families, he said, and to all those suffering from these disasters. The Pope thanked those who were offering them assistance, especially volunteers. Over the weekend, Slovenia was struck by record-breaking rainfall. 
The flooding, which has affected two-thirds of the small European nation, reportedly killed at least six people and left hundreds homeless. Meanwhile, in Georgia last Thursday, a massive landslide hit a resort area in the country's Shovi Mountains, about 140 kilometers northwest of Tbilisi, killing at least 19 people. The Pope also turned his attention once again to Ukraine and to the ongoing suffering in the war-torn country. Recalling that on August 9th, the Church celebrates the feast day of St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, a martyr and co-patroness of Europe, the Holy Father prayed that her witness might stimulate commitment to dialogue and fraternity among peoples and against all forms of violence and discrimination. He entrusted the dear Ukrainian people to her intercession with the prayer that they may soon find peace again. The Holy Father concluded by imparting upon all of them his blessing. I'm Christopher Wells. U.S. bishops have criticized new proposed regulations from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that would use the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act to advance abortion. Bishop Michael Burbage released a statement this week saying this is wrong and contrary to the purpose of the act, which is to help make it possible for working mothers to remain gainfully employed if desired while protecting their health and that of their preborn children. He said the bishops supported this act and said the act is pro-worker, pro-family, and pro-life. It is a distortion to use this law as a means for advancing abortion and the complete opposite of needed assistance for pregnant mothers. A Utah man wanted for allegedly making threats against President Biden and Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is dead. Officials say Craig Delu Robertson was fatally shot by FBI agents at his Provo home yesterday and a neighbor heard the commotion. Robertson was shot while agents were attempting to serve arrest and search warrants. Authorities say Robertson's threats against Bragg included that he was going to New York, quote, to put a nice hole in his forehead. No FBI agents were injured in the altercation. Unsealed court documents show special counsel Jack Smith obtained a search warrant for Donald Trump's Twitter account in the 2020 election case. More from Mark Mayfield. The filing shows Twitter was prohibited from telling Trump about the warrant, as prosecutors believe doing so could jeopardize the ongoing investigation. Twitter was also fined $350,000 for its delay in handing over the records. Trump is facing felony charges for his alleged effort to illegally overturn the 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield. And religious liberty training for three Southwest airline attorneys is part of a Dallas judge's order related to a flight attendant who said she was fired for her pro-life views. U.S. District Judge Brantley Starr ordered the attorneys to undergo eight hours of training from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Starr referred to the ADF as a conservative Christian legal advocacy group that is particularly well-suited to provide such training. Southwest has said it will appeal the ruling, which also includes paying the plaintiffs legal fees. I find this so interesting, Matt. Religious liberty training. I, you know, honestly... I mean, this might have been, who knows? I mean, it, it could have been some cor- some sort of, you know, stunt by the judge. But actually, it could have been. religious liberty training is probably a good idea. Well, you know, so here's, 
here's where the uh, the nuances of my see Anna Mitchell. I never fall into the, uh, the 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 dichotomous categories on these kinds of questions. Right, right, right. Because forced sensitivity training of any kind makes me kind of like shudder a little Bristle. bit. Yeah, yeah. I Even totally if get it's it. training people in a in a mm-hmm. thing that might uh, might advocate for my cause. I mean, the best thing I can say if you want like religious liberty training is just listen to the sunrise morning show i know uh, right and learn that we are like kind of normal or trying to be and trying to go out in the world and live our lives yeah i feel like people might be more receptive to that approach than being like then being sit down in a chair and undergo and learn to like these people you can't stand and don't understand (laughs) i don't know that's I mean, such an interesting commentary, actually. I really like that, man. You know me. I, I want to work in service of the truth, and I, I don't know what the most effective way to right. do that I mean, is. Like, as long as we get the truth out there. It reminds me of, I mean, we don't have time to get into it. Maybe we can talk about it some other time. But it reminds me of when I had, in fifth grade, had this mortal enemy that the teacher made us sit together. We and had say something nice about each well, other. Well, no, like we had an entire quarter of school where we, she, like you know how they put desks together, and most of the desk it was mostly like four or five students together. It was just our two desks right in front of her desk, and then you know what happened? We became War. best friends. Oh, best friends! Oh, wow! So you, it did work for you. We forced were sensitivity forced, training. Well, no, we were forced to deal with each other. I think like that's... punching and Hippolytus in the mines. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly like that. Today is Thursday, August the 10th. It is the Feast of St. Lawrence. Pray for us. Good day to have a grill out. We'll talk more about that later. Father Robert Nixon is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We're going through his book, Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Father, welcome back. Thank you very much, Eddie. Good morning. It's great to be with you. It is great to have you. And today we are reflecting on the sunflower, which St. Ildefonsus puts in the 20th place in the crown of the Virgin. And this, Father, I think might be my favorite description of the Blessed Mother so far. Can you tell us why he chose the sunflower? Absolutely. So, uh, any, I agree with you. This is one of my very favorite chapters as well. He chooses the sunflower um, because, firstly, he compares the appearance of the Blessed Virgin to the sunflower with its, you know, it's a very fairly common flower and simple flower, but if you think about it, it's of a a marvelously beautiful and striking appearance. And he talks about the way in which she illuminates, brings joy to everyone who looks upon her. He talks also about this characteristic of the sunflower from which it gets its name, of the fact that it um, rejoices in the splendor, in the sight of the sun, which, of course, is so true for Mary. She rejoices in the sight of the sun, which is God and was her son. So it's yeah, a very beautiful chapter, and he describes uh, th- this at the beginning. Like the sun arising upon the world from the realms above, thus does your visage, O Virgin Mary, shine upon the entire celestial palace of the heavens. 
And this beautiful face so captivated the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that he accepted the woes of our mortality and bestowed upon us the riches of his divinity. And thus you are rightly proclaimed to be the cause of our gaining all God's blessings, not only life that lasts forever, but life that is filled with joy, virtue, and sanctity. That is such an incredible thought, Father. I mean, this was something, it really struck me. I I remember reading something like this in St. Louis de Montfort. I forget where, but um, where he was reflecting on the Blessed Virgin as the spouse of the Holy Spirit and just how beautiful and captivating she was to God. I mean that. I mean, it's just a beautiful thought. Indeed, this this is one of the the very beautiful images we receive of of the heart of God being so captured by the beauty and the goodness of the Blessed Virgin Mary that he was he was drawn to humanity. He was drawn to the incarnation, and of course, in a way, this is a metaphor because. Um, his love for the Blessed Virgin, of course, reflected his his compassion for the entire race. Yes. But to think about her as being the focal point of that, the kind of spousal relationship which he has of all human beings only with her. And I think we can we can read the Song of Songs in the light of the relationship mm-hmm. between God and the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's it's a it's one of the most um, fascinating and illuminating ways to think about her. And to think about her as being um, the the beauty which drew God to earth in the form of his incarnate son. Wow, wow, wow. Now, when you think about the sunflower, one of the most striking features of it is the fact that it does literally follow the sun through the sky um, throughout the day. And... I thought that this was a beautiful comparison that he made to the Blessed Mother with that in mind. Yes, indeed. Um, he says it's known as the sunflower, and its name in Latin is the heliotrope, which is also an English name for it, but not very common. I had to look that one up. Huh. Because it seeks ardently and follows faithfully the sun. When the sun shines upon it, it rejoices in splendor. Yet when the sun disappears, it withdraws itself sadly. To this sunflower, O Mary, I compare you. And he says, When the Son of Justice, our Lord and Saviour, entered your womb in mortal flesh, how greatly you rejoiced. Your soul magnified the Lord in an embrace of ecstatic love. Yet when the Son, your Son, was handed over to torture and death, to the cross and the tomb, then you withdrew, tearful and dolorous pierced by the bitterest sorrow of desolation. So I think this is a wonderful image to think that that Mary receives her joy um, through the constant following of the sun. So this is, yeah, I think such a beautiful thing and something which we can also all try to emulate in our own way. The the turning of our attention always to to God, our Saviour. Absolutely. We've been talking to Father Robert Nixon, and you can find Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. You too, Father. Thank you. All right. It's a quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? 
even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I had to go through fear and thank God that I overcame the fear and I just left it up to God and now there's no more fear, there's just acceptance and I'm just learning to listen. If you want to be closer to God, you just need to keep following His rules and your application, your radio station has helped me to always be positive and continue to listen to the rules and obey. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. The wildfires in Hawaii in the Maui area have now killed at least 36 people. Pope Francis resumed his general audience yesterday. It had been suspended through the month of July. He used the time to reflect on his World Youth Day experience in Portugal. And the Holy Father also offered prayers for people affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia. Next newscast coming up in about 12 minutes at the bottom of the hour as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So today, the Feast of St. Lawrence, an early martyr of the church he was uh one of the one of the archdeacons of rome which was a really really important um office to have in the early church in the time of persecution of course um matt the the pope would obviously have this major target on his back and so he had these seven deacons in Rome and and Lawrence being one of them who went out and did the apostolic work of the pope who would very easily be noticed and and probably martyred on the spot um and so Lawrence being being one of those those great figures and uh very much revered in Rome to this day yeah san lorenzo um of course uh, the there are like a million so churches for him in Rome. Maybe not. I wanted a million, to go but... through uh, Anna Mitchell. Uh, uh, yeah, very often 
we talk about the the areas in which the uh, the saints of the day are patrons. Mm-hmm. You know, there I don't know, I don't know of any United States dice. Oh, I take that back. I take that back. Uh, Amarillo, Texas. Good nice. morning to you. Has him on the list. That's but, um, awesome. But as I'm looking at the list of Italian dioceses, there's got to be like three dozen dioceses <laughs> in Italy <laughs> no that doubt. are under the patronage of St. Lawrence. No doubt. Of course, he was um, martyred by being grilled alive, and so that makes him the uh, patron saint of barbecuers. And well, you know what I always say, Anna Mitchell? What's that? Because there's a debate over when to take down your Christmas tree. Some people say, you know, after Epiphany. Some say at the presentation or, you know, one of those times. Is when right, the, right, I, right. Anna Mitchell leaves up her Christmas tree till the Feast of St. Lawrence and then burns it in a barbecue. You're so right. That's how we do it around here. Yep, it's totally true. Totally. St. Lawrence, pray for us. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. By underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack from Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Cincinnati, Ohio, with the Sacred Heartbeat. The Sacred Heart of Jesus beats with a perfect love in his church and for his church. He asks us for a response to his love for us, and one way he asks us to respond is frequent attendance at Mass and the reception of Holy Communion, particularly on the first Friday of every month. He promises us that we will receive special gifts by attending nine consecutive First Friday Masses. In this promise, Jesus reminds us that by approaching him in loving humility and asking his forgiveness for our sins and those of the whole world, we may properly dispose our hearts and souls to be transformed in his divine love. Let us make a sincere effort to keep the First Friday devotion so that our broken hearts may be healed, and through our love and presence, a broken world will be made whole. Michelle Sagarino is president of Cross Catholic Outreach, and they've got a Fight World Hunger campaign. Michelle, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Thank you for having me on your program to share about Cross Catholic Outreach and our campaign to fight world hunger. Appreciate that. Cross Catholic Outreach has such a great uh, ministry, and there's so many great layers to what it is that you do. Tell us about this Fighting World Hunger program um, that is is really practical, and I'm I'm just shocked at the bang for the buck that you're able to get. Oh, for sure, for sure, Matt. As you know from being um, together in the past, Cross Catholic Outreach, we support priests 
nuns, bishops in the field all around the world, currently in 36 countries. And those missionaries, they help build schools, houses, water. But today, we really feel our most urgent need is for food. Um, Last year, we shipped over 26 million meals to 18 partners in 10 countries. And the need is, is really even greater now. So this summer, we're really reaching out to call Catholics to help provide close to 6 million meals to children and families in the Dominican Republic. Um, very efficient. It would be only about 15 cents per meal. Can you imagine that? Uh, it's wild, uh, especially given how far <laughs> inflation has gone. You know how much, uh, I mean, you you can't even get like a half an egg right now for 15 cents. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's so just incredible, right. the bang for the buck. I mean, how are you able to do this? You're right. Food prices, look at here. It's gone up, what, 11%, 12%. And when you hit the grocery store, eggs certainly are high. But because of our model of supporting missionaries in the field, and because of our ability to ship efficiently to long-term Catholic partners, we're able to get uh, what we call Vita food. Vita food is a meal with rice or potato or a lentil base, but it also has a protein, usually soy or beans, and vitamins. And that is actually shipped to our partners, and it really helps to abate uh, food insecurity, mal- malnutrition. It's much more than just food. It's really to help take a child, an adult, from malnutrition to a healthier state. So that provides great efficiency when you're able to ship that in and get it into Catholic partners that you know is going that are going to come alongside uh, these families, these programs with the material, the food, but also the spiritual that is so important to us in our faith. Well, I'm looking and trying to figure out some of the math on this, uh, <laughs> you know, just for, for comparison's sake. So $1,500 uh, is one of the donation levels that you can give at. Now, $1,500 mm-hmm. for a lot of our uh, listeners who have a few kids in the house or more than a few, that's like three trips to Costco, <laughs> right? <laughs> or it's 10,000 right. 10, meals <laughs> through the Fight World Hunger Program. That's insane to me. It is insane. And just to to kind of emphasize the value of food, recently I was in the field and talking to students. A lot of times meals go through our school programs, right? The partners support schools and the children receive meals. And it happened to be a Monday morning. And this little girl looked so sad, Matt. And I asked the principal, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with her? Why is she so sad? And he went and asked her, which I didn't really want. But the response was, well, last meal that I had was Friday at school. Fridays are really not good days for their family because Saturday and Sundays, the parents know it's harder to get food. So, you know, this is a critical outreach to support these missionaries to provide the food. We turned around and gave more food to those children on Fridays to take home, you know, really listening to what the need is. So it's it's a large need all across the world, and it's just been accelerated since covid um, And uh, really with the war in Ukraine, you know, a lot of grains aren't getting into us as well as 
as these developing countries. So it's it's a it's a great need that I'm hoping our your listeners and Catholics will rally around. Well, crosscatholic.org slash feeding is the quick link to get there and find some of the details and the stats and, and some of the things that you're doing. Again, that's crosscatholic.org slash feeding. You know, and I think, too, Michelle, one of the practical aspects of this is that, you know, so often we feel really helpless. You know, we see all the horrible mm-hmm. things going on in the world and all the frustrating battles going on in the culture, and we think, well, what difference can I make? Do I go out there and make some argument for the faith? Do I go out there and, you know, give to some organization and, and make them do the work for me? And, and, you know, will I ever see the fruits or the results? And mm-hmm. just think about the associations you're building with providing a meal in the context of the church or in the context of a school that is often, you know, run by missionaries or religious. That kid is being fed with a corporal work of mercy and being surrounded by spiritual works of mercy when they show up for the meal. I mean, the the impact of that would be impossible to measure. It is impossible to measure. I believe that our relationship is the key to our faith, right? Our relationship to God through Jesus, our relationship with these partners in the long term, it really allows supporters to give those funds and to know they're getting in the right hands. We've worked with these partners for years. Fundicep, run by Bishop in um, Dominican Republic, Good Samaritan Hospital, a hospital that's providing medical supplies throughout Dominican Republic. All of these partners we know, we trust, and we know how they're going to provide the food. And when a donor does decide to join this cause, they'll be updated. So they'll know where their funds are going to. Well, thanks so much, Michelle Sagarino from Cross Catholic Outreach. You can find a link to give to this effort at, at uh, sunrisemorningshow.com. Again, don't forget, St. Lawrence himself said the poor were the treasures of the church. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. At least 36 people are dead as a massive wildfire burns out of control on Hawaii's Maui Island. Lieutenant Governor Sylvia Luke said yesterday hurricane force winds in the region and drought conditions have fueled this fire. It's devastated the tourist town of Lahaina on the northwestern tip of Maui. The Coast Guard says it's rescued at least a dozen people in Lahaina. Officials say they are optimistic that the blaze will eventually be under control. Pope Francis has offered prayers for those affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia, where Floods and mudslides have caused death and destruction. He did so at his general audience yesterday, which resumed after a July hiatus. He also prayed for Ukraine through the intercession of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, co-patron of Europe on her feast day, praying that they may soon find peace again. During his catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on his experience in World Youth Day. He said, it was a gift of God felt by all. Federal officials say a Utah man was shot and killed during an FBI raid related to threats against President Biden. Mark Mayfield reports. The FBI says the shooting happened as special agents trying to serve arrest and search warrants at a Provo residence. On Monday, the man allegedly made a threatening post about Biden's visit to Utah this week. Biden is scheduled to travel to Utah Thursday as part of a tour of western states. The man also allegedly threatened Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. Nearly 100 people in the U.S. and Australia have been arrested on child sexual abuse charges in a global investigation that began after two FBI agents were killed two years ago. The, the Australian Federal Police announced this week that 19 men have been arrested on charges of sharing child sexual abuse material online, and at least 13 children were rescued in a joint operation with the FBI. The arrests brought the total to 98, including at least nine, 79 by the FBI since 2021. Ethiopian bishops are appealing for a peaceful solution in a new conflict looming in a, country, a region in the country's north. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Fighting broke out across Ethiopia's second most populous region earlier last week between the Fano militiamen and federal troops, prompting Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed to declare the state of emergency. During the two-year civil war in neighboring Tigray, Fano militias and the Ethiopian army were allies. However, their relations have deteriorated, in part over recent efforts by federal authorities to weaken regional paramilitary groups. In a message released this week on the occasion of the annual 15-day fast for the Assumption of Mary, the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Ethiopia urged both parties to stop the fighting and find a peaceful solution to their differences through dialogue. We believe that the political will of the government is very important for the dialogue to take place, the bishops said. At the same time, the bishops invited all people of faith and of goodwill to pray for justice and peace to prevail in Ethiopia. The civil war in Tigray broke out in November 2020 after months of rising tensions between the federal government and rebels of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, killing over 3,000 civilians and displacing tens of thousands. Both sides have been blamed for repeated war crimes, mass killings of civilians and other atrocities. The conflict has left the Tigray region in dire need of human aid, which has been slow to arrive due to ongoing insecurity. I am Lisa Zengarini. PPI medications are being linked to a greater risk of dementia for those taking them over the course of several years. Ryan Shook reports. That's according to research published in the journal Neurology. PPI medications are proton pump inhibitors, which millions of Americans take to treat heartburn and acid reflux. They've been linked already in the past to a higher risk of kidney failure, stroke, and early death. I'm Brian Shook. And unsealed court documents show that special counsel Jack Smith obtained a search warrant for Donald Trump's Twitter account in the 2020 election case. That's the news. It's 35. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. The obligation that we have toward the Eternal Father, we have likewise toward Jesus Christ, who, by the redemption, has acquired every right of sovereignty over all redeemed creatures. Let us, therefore, exclaim and say to Jesus, Yes, my God and my King, reign over my soul, my heart, and my will. Possess all my faculties, and submit them entirely to the scepter of obedience. Since Christ accepted death with love, and held it up before us to be loved, I cannot begrudge the death of anyone, so long as he or she dies in the grace of his most holy death. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. up with Monsignor Charles Pope. You can find his blog through the Archdiocese of Washington. MonsignorPope.com is a great site for all kinds of reflections on the readings, the liturgical calendar, and a whole lot more. Monsignor Pope, good morning. Well, good morning. One of my favorite feasts in the month of August is that of St. Lawrence of Rome, and a lot of people know him as the guy who was grilled to death and who said, turn me over, I'm done on this side. I think we don't give enough attention to what got him there in the first place, which is essentially making the authorities mad for giving them a lesson in spiritual economics. Yeah, yeah there, you know, as the, um, the story goes, he was asked to um, confronted by the uh, prefect of Rome, and uh, he, he, the prefect thought, well, this, this group has to have a great fortune hidden away somewhere. So he ordered Lawrence to, to bring this, this, this wealth to, to his and lay it at his feet. Um, and Lawrence said, okay, give me three days, I'll round it all up. So uh, when, when the prefect arrived uh, to, for, the, for the handover of all the church's treasures, um, um, Lawrence pretended the, 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 the poor, the sick, and the, <laughs> the suffering, and he brought them and says, here's the church's greatest treasure. And so that was the uh, thing that got him kind of, shall we say, the prefect was not pleased. <laughs> and uh, he he condemned him to a cruel death, as, as you just mentioned, to be grilled or well, uh, put on an iron grill. Well, Lawrence is a lesson that you know we can sort of laugh and and uh, you know it, to me it's 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 you know kind of a moment of pride to be like yeah this is the treasure of the church uh, you know and to to rally behind a guy like Saint Lawrence and some yeah. other great saints over the years who have you know, thrown everything of this world out to go and, you know, basically live for the treasure of the, of the church, the poor, the sick, so that they might have treasure in heaven. But then when it comes to the live reality of that with you and me and regular old life, Monsignor Pope, that's a little bit harder (laughs) for us to kind of get excited about. It is. I mean, these are the kinds of things that, um, they, 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 they sound good in the abstract, (laughs) 
<laughs> like, like the cross. The, oh, yeah, so lift higher the cross. Uh, but uh, but when the cross comes in for a landing, well, I'm not so happy now. Um, or the real cross, not just some abstract idea. And so, yeah. And, you know, we struggle with this even in this neighborhood where I live, you know, that uh, the, the, a lot of the neighbors will put out, you know, uh, all are welcome here kind of stuff. But all of a sudden, if we're trying to put up some uh, public housing, <laughs> now, oh, this is an appropriate place for that. Uh, and so we, we, we all struggle with this sort of nimby, you know, not in my backyard kind of approach to things. And so absolutely, it's uh, we can salute Lawrence from afar. But my gosh, you know, um, the question is, uh, are we really willing to live what he said? Well, I think uh, every political persuasion has some kind of reality check, some kind of gut check to do on this, because, you know, I'm uh, I'm not far from you up the road in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, one of the most progressive places in the United States of America. But it's also very carefully structured that, uh, you know, only a certain Mm -hmm. kind of person of a certain kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. persuasion income level could ever even afford to live in most of the places around here. I mean, that's kind of the Mm -hmm. way that it's sort of built, like as a bubble. And and I think we do try and build those bubbles. And even, you know, with people, uh, those of us who, who may support you know, uh, life and marriage and, and all those things that we know that uh, the church teaches we have to uphold, that's all good and well until somebody needs help with their marriage or somebody needs help with their kids, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. I always have to remind the couples I'm preparing for marriage. I say, look, uh, I have a big family. It's a great... I said, but that's easy for me to say, sitting here in this armchair, I don't have to change the diapers and get up at 2 o'clock meetings, you know. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, we have to, I think, accept that... Um, uh, yeah, this is how we are. We can we can often salute ideas from afar, uh, but when they come in for a landing, it's a lot harder. And so, yeah, Lawrence's um, statement here isn't to be taken just as a kind of a trite story or a little moralism. Uh, it, it is, in fact, a truth, which is that the 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 treasure the treasure of the church are those who suffer. Now, we tend to look at the economic of the world differently than the scriptures. Now, what one thing that we do is that we we sort of look down and pity, in a way, people who are suffering, not just the poor, but people who are suffering. And um, we say, oh, too bad, too bad. But listen, uh, we might have to get an appointment and meet them in heaven, because they're going to rule. There, I, I think what we need to learn to do is to esteem those uh, who, who are suffering, but with faith, and try to assist them, like Simon of Cyrene, but also just um, lift them up and uh, see, see them as uh, those who, if they stay faithful, Jesus says many who are last here are going to be first in the kingdom of heaven. So they are a treasure, and to get to know and befriend them. And as Jesus says, store up for yourselves uh, treasure in heaven. And he says, you know, use your worldly wealth to gain friends, you know, among the poor, so that when it fails you, namely the wealth, the poor will welcome you into eternal dwellings. Isn't that great, you know, to think that we'd go to the judgment seat and the poor are off in the distance saying, be good to this guy, Lord, he was good to us. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, you know, poverty is no guarantee of virtue, but my goodness, no. isn't it interesting that the wealthier we become as a society, as a nation, the more we forget God, <laughs> right? And you look around the exactly. world, and where the places that have the least material wealth, they're the ones who know they need God. I feel like yeah. that's a fairly evident point. Yeah, you know, one of the Proverbs says, Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, lest in my poverty I steal, or in my riches I say, who is the Lord? And so, yeah, the wealthier we become, too easily, yes, we we kick God to the margin, and we kick him to the curb, and we say, you know, and then we, we'll watch our whole society crumble. We wonder, well, how did that happen? Well, 
it's not a good thing when the Lord is not invited. Um, so, well, yeah, and, uh, and you know, the other thing that happens in this too is that we forget what the church's role is meant to be in all this. We uh, we say, well, the mm-hmm. government will take care of that. <laughs> you know, we say that uh, mm-hmm. you know the 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 laws the the safety nets that we've created, you know, through political structures will take care of that. And we should have safety nets. We should have structures, Mm -hmm. but we should Mm -hmm. also be the first place people think of. The church should be the first Mm -hmm. place people think of when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, there was, um, gosh, there was a book written many years ago by a guy named Olasky, um, wrote the tragedy of American compassion. And he, he details there how really church leaders, uh, both Catholic and Protestant in this country fought for, uh, 50 or 60 years from about 1900 through, uh, uh, you know, right, right through almost the 60s great society program, saying that the government should not be distributing charity. This should be done by the churches and community organizations because bad charity bad charity drives out good charity. And they insisted, but little by little they let go of this and let the government take over. And now there's this kind of attitude where, you know, even our bishops at times can kind of claim virtue for simply saying, well, the government should do something. And, well, we checked off that box. You know, at some level, you're right. I mean, we um, uh, are more than willing to demand others take care of a problem, not just the church, but all, all of us Americans. Uh, but, yeah, not in my backyard, though, please. Well, some convicting stuff on this Feast of St. Lawrence. Anna Mitchell, I know that uh, it's easy for me to point the finger and say other people lean on policies and programs you know but uh i lean on those things too and i need to be looking around and seeing how i am engaging with the treasures of the church me personally today (laughs) so um i think we all got kind of some work to do but i know for me i can't really say what kind of work you got to do but i know that i need the help of saint lawrence to see god in the people around me every day and to see well as monsignor pope was just pointing out that these are the treasures of the church um so the lord is close to the brokenhearted as it says elsewhere in the psalms we're back with kevin prendergast and headlines right after this it's a quarter till support for the sunrise morning show is from visiting angels visiting angels provides experienced compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to or 
Why I even bothered with faith at all? Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Are you living life or are you on autopilot? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Matt, I'm well, totally till. on autopilot. Oh, you're on autopilot? Totally. I got to call okay. Jerry and Debbie. Well, I mean, as long as you're in autopilot, it's a form of artificial intelligence. As long as you are artificial <laughs> intelligence. Hopefully not. I'm good. Hopefully not. I don't think All so. All right. What are the headlines as delivered by a, a human being? At least 36 people have been reported dead as a massive wildfire burns out of control in Maui. Pope Francis has offered prayers for people affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia. He did so during his now resumed general audiences. And the Ethiopian bishops are appealing for peace as a new conflict looms in the country's north. All right. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast and... He is a licensed counselor with decades of experience in private practice, also in training seminarians. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad to talk about this. Uh, We get to talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, and some of our listeners are very familiar with this. Uh, Some of our listeners may not be as familiar with this. And uh, I guess some people probably are wondering, does this line up with Catholicism and the way that Catholics think about the virtues? And if so, how? And if not, how not? So uh, if you could, tell us what CBT, as it were, is and what it is not. Yeah, that's it exactly. And there are a couple of uh, quotations. So so one is just a phrase from the scholastics, including Aquinas, who used to talk about right reason. And that's a, that's a tough one to see that I don't always see reality the way it actually is. I don't see other people and I tend to distort my perceptions. So that that's, goes way back to the scholastics. And then a couple of things from the scriptures from St. Paul. Uh, one would be bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then the other one, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you look through scripture and the Psalms and in the New Testament, you know, we see kind of a lot of, you know, we even in the act of contrition, we say for, you know, for my thoughts and my my words, my actions, what I've done and not done. So how can that be that, you know, and I think that's part of where we have a blind spot. I have a blind spot. I don't even see that I'm thinking incorrectly. So I wanted to to touch on this topic because the chances are if one of your listeners goes to a therapist these days, especially a younger one, uh, their main approach is going to be cognitive behavioral therapy, which is good and bad. There's a lot of research about it. But sometimes it's kind of watered down CBT, which would be like, well, it's going to be easy. You just have some positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, or just tell yourself some positive affirmations to build up your self-esteem. Or you need to change your thoughts about yourself because you're being too hard on yourself. So unfortunately, I, I hear a lot of that in, in the field, and that's kind of like one part of it. Like we can have 
distorted ideas about herself. But what gets left out sometimes is how my feelings and my behavior really uh, impact my feelings. So it's sort yeah. of think about that. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Kevin, Matt. even as you're just saying that, I mean, think about how, I mean, this is why it's so important to talk to somebody who knows about stuff and maybe knows about you because you're being too hard on yourself. Um, well, there might be people who are being too hard on themselves, right? We understand the mm -hmm. idea of scrupulosity mm -hmm. and that can be a problem and people overthinking things. But there are other people who probably ought to be a little harder on themselves <laughs> about certain things, right? I mean, <laughs> well, you can't well, just apply a us. statement like that universally <laughs> yeah. to everybody. Yeah. So it could be a therapist. It could be your priest. It could be a very good friend. But a friend who cares about you enough to support you and to validate you know, what you're going through but also to challenge you. So that's a great question to think about. Who do I have in my life who cares about me, loves me enough that they're gonna say some things that are probably gonna make me feel uncomfortable or hurt my feelings? The other thing here, if we've got, we have three things, Matt, basically we've got feelings, we've got thoughts, we've got behaviors. And people, I always ask this question, what's the hardest to change? And people usually say, well, it's what I do or how I think, but it's actually our feelings. Like, think about that. When's the last time you were able to change your feelings directly? Like, I'm not gonna feel angry. I'm not gonna feel sad. Well, that, that doesn't really work too well, at least for me. But if I change my thinking and I change what I'm doing, I can look at the situation differently. I could get up and actually take some constructive action. So that's the that's the the hard part about CBT. And then I think that some of of us might uh, preach that cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of easy. You know, you just have to change your thinking. And my my thought, I, I remember Dr. Albert Ellis, and I had a chance to go to some of his classes, who was one of the founders of this way of thinking, he would he would grab his lapel and he would say, Albert, that was his first name. Albert, I have to I have to vigorously dispute, I have to argue, I have to fight against these crazy ideas that you have in your head because you're not thinking right. So he would he would say that to himself. And it was funny, but it made the point that we have to put vigorous effort in. And this goes back even in the secular world, uh, you know, the old Stoics, one of the great Stoics would say, people are not disturbed so much by events and things that happen, but by the views that they take of those events or people or happenings. So if we, we get that, and what, is, what are some of these core beliefs? I think one would be like, I'm a victim and maybe I have had trauma in my past, but if I get into a victim identity, so that if people are picking on me, I can never get over that. I'm a broken person. I have people that come in and tell me I just feel defective. So that's one part. The other one would be it's everybody else's fault, so to blame. So when we think about this and do our examination of conscience to see, you know, where am I ruminating about the bad things that have happened? Or a nine-year-old client of mine once finally kind of got out of his anxiety by saying, you know, I, I was thinking it was going to kill me. It was just intolerable. But, you know, Mr. Kevin, it's really just uncomfortable. Well, that was a great reframe for a nine-year-old. Like, I can deal with this. It's not going to kill me. This is not the worst thing that I could possibly go through. Life is difficult, but that doesn't mean it's going to destroy me. So, again, right, you know, reframing. I, one of the things I tell myself, Matt, these two little things, I think of people that I really admire, that I look up to, and I would say, well, how does my friend Keith or my friend Frank, how would they look at this situation? Even if they're not right there, I can't call them. What would they do in this situation? Or actually to myself, I look in the mirror and I say, Kevin, 
how would an adult, how would a grown-up look at this situation? And it makes me laugh because I realize that I'm not thinking like an adult. I don't have that right reason. I'm not thinking like a, a mature uh, adult. I've got this childish thinking. And it's a slow, challenging process to do that. Now, some of the last point, Mark, Matt, would be, and, our, and I know a lot of our listeners do this, the early Desert Fathers were really big that these thoughts would come in and they were from the evil one. And so one of the best uh, defenses against these negative, destructive thoughts that are in my head and the way that I perceive things would be to get a little piece of scripture, just like Jesus does when he's being tempted by the desert and the desert by Satan. And those might be, you know, give all your worries and cares to God. He cares about you. Or uh, think of other people rather than yourself or take the speck out of your own eyes. So those kind of things can really be helpful in the moment to change our thinking around. Yeah, and uh, that's that's one of the other good reasons to memorize Bible verses, so you have a good yep. arsenal, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. That's the one thing that uh, it's one of the major things that my evangelical upbringing gave me is I got a, yeah. a whole bunch of those at the ready uh, right. for those moments. Thank you so much, Kevin Prendergast. Appreciate your time. Have a great day. You too, Matt. God bless. All right, we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up after the break for many of you listening across. EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, plus more stuff on St. Lawrence, whose feast is today. Back after this, it's three minutes till. Radio.com. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The sunrise morning show. It is Thursday, the 10th of August, the Feast of St. Lawrence of Rome. Let's pray for his intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O generous patron of the church's poor, St. Lawrence, pray to the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that all the poor of the church in need in every corner of the world may feel the effect of the love of their brothers and sisters who seek to help them. Deliver the church from the greed and envy of the powerful and protect her rights and property so that she may serve the needy and freedom, giving them good things for soul and body. May we come some day with all those whom we helped on earth to the bright mansions of heaven where we will enjoy the riches of God's house and the company of the Savior who lives and reigns forever and ever. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Lawrence, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're along here on this 10th day of the month of August. It is a Thursday, and uh, St. Lawrence is one of our favorites around here, so excited to talk more about him today. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Dr. John Bergsma will discuss uh, more Love Basics for Catholics. That's, of course, a recent book of his. And today we get into the Song of Songs and see what it has to say about the bride and the bridegroom and that uh, as a model for our relationship with God. Rita Heikenfeld will discuss flax on Bible foods. It shows up a, a couple different places, most notably, most notably, I should say, uh, the 31st chapter of Proverbs. Gary Machuda will talk about the language in which the Gospels were written and why. And then Dan and Debbie Starcynic will talk to, about a rosary book for married couples called Icon of Love. So stay with us if you can. 
Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Officials on the Hawaiian island of Maui now say wildfires sweeping across the western area of the island have killed at least 36 people. According to a press release from Maui County, 36 total fatalities have been discovered amid the active Lahaina fire. Entire blocks of homes and businesses in the historic Lahaina town have gone up in smoke where fires fueled by wind from a Pacific hurricane have been concentrated. More than 270 structures are damaged or destroyed so far. President Biden is pledging federal assistance. Pope Francis has offered prayers for those affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia, where floods and mudslides have caused death and destruction. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Pope Francis recalled that in recent days, dramatic natural phenomena have occurred in Slovenia and Georgia, causing death and material destruction. He said he is praying for victims. I pray for the victims and express my spiritual closeness to their families, he said, and to all those suffering from these disasters. The Pope thanked those who were offering them assistance, especially volunteers. Over the weekend, Slovenia was struck by record-breaking rainfall. The flooding, which has affected two-thirds of the small European nation, reportedly killed at least six people and left hundreds homeless. Meanwhile, in Georgia last Thursday, a massive landslide hit a resort area in the country's Shovi Mountains, about 140 kilometers northwest of Tbilisi, killing at least 19 people. The Pope also turned his attention once again to Ukraine and to the ongoing suffering in the war-torn country. Recalling that on August 9th, the Church celebrates the feast day of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, a martyr and co-patroness of Europe, the Holy Father prayed that her witness might stimulate commitment to dialogue and fraternity among peoples and against all forms of violence and discrimination. He entrusted the dear Ukrainian people to her intercession with the prayer that they may soon find peace again. The Holy Father concluded by imparting upon all of them his blessing. I'm Christopher Wells. Pope Francis resumed his Wednesday general audiences yesterday after having them been having been suspended through the month of July. As per usual, the Holy Father used his catechesis time to reflect on his experience in the past week in Portugal for World Youth Day. He called it a gift of God felt by all. Federal officials say a Utah man was shot and killed during an FBI raid related to threats against President Biden yesterday morning. The FBI said the shooting happened as special agents tried to serve arrest and search warrants at a Provo residence. On Monday, the man allegedly made a threatening post about Biden's visit to Utah this week. He's scheduled to travel to the state as part of a tour of western states. The man also allegedly threatened Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Unsealed court documents show special counsel Jack Smith obtained a search warrant for Donald Trump's Twitter account in the 2020 election case. More from Mark Mayfield. The filing shows Twitter was prohibited from telling Trump about the warrant, as prosecutors believe doing so could jeopardize the ongoing investigation. Twitter was also fined $350,000 for its delay in handing over the records. 
Trump is facing felony charges for his alleged effort to illegally overturn the 2020 election. I'm Mark Mayfield. And a member of the legendary band, The Band, has died. Guitarist and singer-songwriter Robbie Robertson and the band were responsible for classics like The Weight, Up on Cripple Creek, and The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, and my favorite, Ophelia. Their 1976 farewell concert was made into a movie by famed director Martin Scorsese, who enlisted Robertson as composer and music supervisor for numerous movies. His highly acclaimed self-titled solo album was nominated for a Grammy for Best Male Rock Performance. Robertson died yesterday at the age of 80 after a long illness. May he rest in peace. Big so, fans of the band over here. Well, I, I know that uh, your you husband's band covers, covers almost every single almost song every you just singer. mentioned. Yeah, exactly. So I had a, a, a wild realization a I little was, bit jamming out to up on cripple creek this morning i know you sent me the link so uh, a while back i uh had this wild realization when i uh, there's the the tracy chapman song give me one reason uh-huh and i always thought the lyrics were give me one reason to steal but apparently it's give me one reason to stay, stay here, here. And I don't, yeah yeah i only rep- recognized this very recently and i just like literally as you were reading that story had a shocking i mean a shocking realization oh, about boy. this about a song by the band you know the song the weight yeah i never looked up the lyrics i thought the lyrics were take a load off annie yeah that they're not it's fanny yeah it's I know. take a load off fanny yeah i know i would it's upsetting to me i'm gonna spend the rest I of the day s- kind of trying to process this i still sing it as take a load off annie because... well your husband's band sings and i always thought they were singing it in honor of you well and especially because in the lyrics it talks about anna lee yeah i thought that no. there was a connection there i know i know i know i still say annie because it's me and take a load off annie. comma annie no it's take a load <laughs> off comma fanny i'm 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 I know sh- it was I'm a huge shook, argument. As the young people would say, it was I'm a huge shook. argument. You know, uh, his bandmate Lucas, Lucas yes. and I, we fight about this. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> shook. Take a load off, Annie. I get it, man. Totally get it. Well, I'm. We're gonna move on. I could talk about that for hours. How I changed the lyrics to the weight. Anyway, may Robbie Robertson rest in peace. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Bergsma. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics, illustrating God's love for us throughout the Bible. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So, Doc, we have been studying the Song of Songs in Love Basics, and we've talked about the romance in this book as as being a metaphor for God and the church, which is awesome because then, Doc, we can keep this book at a bit of a distance, right? As many of us, maybe most of us, as we've mentioned in previous conversations, kind of squirm when we read Song of Songs as if we're being kind of voyeuristic when when we're reading it. But should we be understanding this book on a, a natural level as much as the spiritual level? Well, you know, the relationship between God and the Church is reflected in every marriage, every Christian marriage. And so 
Yeah, the you know the Song of Songs does celebrate you know the natural goodness of the body, of husbands and wives, of beauty. Um, all these things are good. They're not uh, you know sinful or evil in themselves. And if they were, God wouldn't be able to take them up as images of His relationship with His own people. So yeah, there there's the the element of also celebration of human marriage in the Song of Songs, because it's a sacrament, you know, uh, you know, we get criticized sometimes, uh, you know, by, uh, by non-Catholics for, you know, exalting virginity and, and the religious life over marriage, but it's only the Catholic Church that holds marriage to be a sacrament, mm. a, a holy estate. And so um, there is a lot in the Song of Songs that, uh, that has implications for um, every, uh, you know, uh, sacred bond, every um, sacred covenant between man and wife. Yeah, so how do we see in the Song of Songs sort of the the beginnings of of this teaching of the body as a temple? Yes, there's beautiful imagery. I mean, there's, there's four times in the Song of Songs where the uh, uh, the couple describe each other's body. And three times the uh, bridegroom describes the body of his bride, and uh, once the bride describes the body of her bridegroom. And sometimes when the bridegroom describes his bride's body, he uses imagery from the land of Israel, and we've talked about Mm -hmm. that before, how she represents the land of Israel and and, uh, the people of God and covenant relationship to him. But sometimes when he describes her body, he describes her as the Garden of Eden. And that's beautiful in itself, but we also have to remember the Garden of Eden was the original temple. It was a temple garden. And so that implies that her body um, has a sacred nature to it. And that goes all the way back to Genesis 2, where Eve's body is described as being built uh, by God. Not made, not formed, but built uh, from Adam's uh, rib. And the reason it says that, of course, is because she is a temple. And likewise, when the bride describes the body of her bridegroom in chapter 5, she goes from head to toe, and she uses these images of gold, of ivory, of alabaster, of golden pedestals, um, of various spices. And if you look for the background of all these images that she's using, Anna, they're being taken from the Jerusalem temple. So he's being described as if his body, indeed, was also a temple. Wow. This is incredible. Now, one thing that that people can kind of get confused about, though, when it comes to the Song of Songs, I mean, it's like all this stuff in here that that we've been talking about, (laughs) um, it's all being said and prior to their marriage— Right. So how do we how do we address that, Doc? Yeah, actually, all of the descriptions that we have in the song are really, if you look carefully, um, in the context of dreams and daydreams. And Mm -hmm. so the general attitude of the Song of Songs is this longing for the upcoming marriage and visions of what the marriage will be like. But at the end of the book, um, they still have not been married. They call to each other. Um, and we have a final scene where they're calling back and forth 
on the night when the bridegroom shows up with his groomsmen to escort the bride to their wedding. So we have to look at the Song of Songs as visions of anticipation, of dreams, of uh, the union between, um, between bridegroom and bride, and that applies to us as Christians as, as visions of heaven. You know, this, this is speaking to us through images of, of what it's going to be like to be in the beatific vision, what it's going to be like to be embraced by, by Jesus uh, forever. Um, it's just, you know, the sweetness of the exchange of love. And uh, so I think that's how we deal with it, Anna. How do you know that they were chased? Yes, because of the uh, the rather explicit and not very subtle uh, <laughs> language that's used in various places, like a garden enclosed is my sister, my bride, a garden enclosed, a fountain sealed in uh, chapter 412. And I don't need to explain what that's referring to. Mm-hmm. And in chapter 8, um, actually in 8, uh, 10, and 11, um, the bride uh, boasts that she is a wall as she enters into her marriage relationship with her husband as opposed to being a door. And uh, we could mention some other places as well. But um, the Song of Songs actually really does value uh, chastity uh, before marriage because it's about exclusivity. It's about saving oneself so that you can give yourself wholly to your spouse, and that when you give yourself wholly to your spouse, there's no baggage uh, from previous relationships. There's no qualification of that. It's just kind of a pure act of self-gift. And I'm giving to you something that I've never given to anybody else, and that really helps to strengthen that indissoluble marital bond. Beautifully put. We've been talking to Dr. John Bergsma. You can find Love Basics for Catholics from Ave Maria Press linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Doc, as always, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Talk to you next time. Sounds good. All right. It is 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. 
EWTN podcasts are the perfect companion for busy Catholics everywhere. Your favorite EWTN programs are waiting for you to listen to on your time. With on-demand access to audio, you can pause and pick up right where you left off, anytime, anywhere. Just subscribe by using your mobile device's free podcast app. Find old favorites or discover something new. EWTN Podcasts, they're waiting for you. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Officials on the Hawaiian island of Maui now say wildfires sweeping across the western area of the island have killed at least 36 people. Pope Francis has offered prayers for those affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia. And the Holy Father yesterday resumed his Wednesday general audiences. News the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, I'm checking the uh, the weather radar for my area. It looks like Saturday into Sunday, which is the 12th into the 13th, it's going to be relatively clear, which is good because they're predicting a pretty good Perseid meteor shower oh, overnight. Oh, really? From the 12th into the 13th. And of course, hmm. some of our listeners may know that that annual August Perseid meteor shower is referred to as the Tears of St. Lawrence. The Tears of St. Lawrence. The Tears of St. Lawrence because Indeed. it's so close to his feast day. And uh, they're like fiery, fiery tears, as it were. But check them out. Maybe some of you have seen those meteor showers. They're like, late summer, it feels like I see more shooting stars. Well, go outside if you can. Uh, between, I think, depending on your time zone, like from 10 to 4.30 a.m., get a blanket and lay out. Some of you may be camping anyway, if so just look up at the sky. But they and are pretty you, cool. And when you see those stars shooting around, think of St. Lawrence. I was looking at one report said something like, uh, they're expecting like 100 meteors an hour. Really? Now, you have to be looking at the right wow. part of the sky because if you miss one. That's a lot know, of meteors. You got to have a lot of uh, different people looking in different di- directions. Oh, yeah. So you can yeah make sure that you got them all covered. There you go. Because it, it happens for like a millisecond. Mm-hmm. It's like a streak. Yeah. But at any rate, Tears of St. Lawrence. Check them out this weekend, the 12th into the 13th. St. Lawrence, pray for us. It's 21 past. So you're just tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of Grace, Mother of Mercy, Hail Mary in manner unsurpassing, 
font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we, night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace. Rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. It's time to take a look at Bible foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. Today we get to talk about flax, and maybe you do know a little bit about flax, maybe you don't, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Rita, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So probably the most famous passage that involves flax is Proverbs 31, where we're talking about the virtuous woman. I don't know if you work with flax, Rita, but uh, I feel like you meet, a lot of, you meet a lot of these categories that are laid out here. Well, that's nice of you to say, but um, that that uh, passage, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. I can just see uh, someone like the Virgin Mary taking flax and weaving it and then using it in her cooking. But as far as I'm concerned, we have an antique spinning wheel, but <laughs> that would not be my forte. I, well, would, you... not be, I would not be able to... Um, be dressed very well if I was a woman of Bible days and had to spin my own uh, linen. Well, there are uh, there are people who do it, and you know, if you ever go to some reenactments and colonial, you know, people dressed up in those ways mm-hmm. and spinning and things, it's an impressive thing to watch. It truly is. Uh, yes. But but what is a flax seed then? Well, you know, sometimes um, back in the day they were called linseeds. And they're, you can buy them. They're small, brown, tan, or golden-colored seeds. And I, I actually grow the, the, uh, the dark-colored seed. It's got a beautiful blue flower. But here's the deal, Mac. Uh, they are really high in fiber and minerals and plant protein, which is a big uh, important these days. And they're a really good source of those omega-3 fatty acids, which means they're good for your hair, your brain, eyes, heart, um, skin, and even your nails. And uh, another interesting fact is they have been eaten for about 6,000 years, way before Christ was born. So um, now nutritionists are saying it's one of our very first cultivated super seeds. And not only did they eat them back in Bible days, but they, uh, just as I mentioned before, they wove the plant fibers into cloth, sometimes paper and even rope. And when you think about the mummies, the Egyptians used the cloth for wrapping mummies. And I wanted your take on this. Um, the Shroud of Turin, when I researched this, is said to have been made with linen from the flax plant. But, you know, um, what do you think about this? It sort of makes sense to me since flax is a source of linen. Well, and you've just already talked about it being used for burial garments. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty fascinating thing to connect all those deals. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that they try and do with the Shroud of Turin is trying to figure out the makeup of it and uh, and all that to try and mm-hmm. figure out the authenticity and the age of the Shroud of Turin. And uh, the more study they do, the more it looks like it really did come from where people said it came from. So pretty fascinating. But uh, what about 
in Bible times, I, I guess if it's in the book of Proverbs, then people must have been growing it. Oh, yeah, it was a really important crop. Um, and from what I could gather, it was one of the first food crops ever grown, and it was just behind wheat and, and probably grapes. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, how do you use it uh, when you're cooking? Well, I don't know how you use it, but first of all, here's the deal. If you eat whole flax seeds, no, Matt, you're going to get fiber only. So in order to get the whole nutritional um, spectrum, you've got to consume what we call the ground flaxseed or broken flaxseed, sometimes called flaxseed meal. You can also use flaxseed oil, but um, I always say make sure the oil uh, on the label says it's at least 25% particulate. And because the nutrition of the seed is in the non-oil part of the seed for the most part, so um, store it in the fridge, and if you leave it on the counter long enough, it turns into linseed oil, that old-fashioned furniture polish. And people say, oh, is it going to hurt me? No, it's not going to help. It won't hurt you. But it's so versatile, too. I, I sprinkle it on cereal. Um, you can put some flax oil in your smoothies. I put some in, in uh, quick breads and muffins, sometimes even on our supper salad, and, and sometimes we'll use it to... Um, um, add it as a topping for yogurt along with, like, seasonal fruit. Uh, do you use flax much? Not very much, but when I have, I've sprinkled a little bit on oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you mentioned something like that. And uh, I've actually, in making homemade granola, I have okay. done it. Uh, and I know that that's the recipe that you've got for today. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful in granola. This is a great recipe for back to school. It's um, grain, gluten, and dairy-free granola bars. I'll have it on my website you don't even have to um, bake it. And basically, you're going to take um, about two and a half cups of different nuts and seeds, and I usually put some flaxseed in there. And then you're going to chop one cup of those nuts, um, sort of coarse, and I just put those in a bowl. And then I'll take my food processor and, and pulse the other uh, nuts and seeds into a real fine chop and add that to the other nuts. And then I'll stir in some fruit, and um, we like coconut. And then for, to bind it all together, you're going to have some coconut or other oils, some honey, vanilla, a little salt and cinnamon, and you just bring that to a bubble and pour it over the mixture, then put it in a sprayed pan. And the technique is important. Press down really, really hard and just let it cool at room temperature and um, cut into bars. It's delicious and nutritious. And with all the allergies going on around in schools and such, it's a, a perfect snack. Right. Uh, the only allergy that you're not covered right there is nuts, right? So, I mean, you got the, the grains out, the dairies out, the gluten's out on that, which is pretty cool. Um, now, I, I imagine that if you were to go and buy this same kind of granola bar at the grocery store, you'd be paying a lot more than you'd pay if you made it at home. <laughs> oh, you would. And, and also, you know what goes in it. Like you said, if you can't eat peanuts, put a different nut or... Um... There's lots of adjustments. Very versatile recipe. Very cool. And linked at our site at sunrisemorningshow.com. You can go straight over to About Eating and get Rita's recipe for her grain, gluten, and dairy-free granola bars featuring flax, which, of course, is mentioned right there in the book of Proverbs. Rita Heikenfeld, we always appreciate you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yep, we sure will, Matt. And again, while you're at sunrisemorningshow.com, enter your email address. You can subscribe and get show notes delivered to your inbox every single day, including prayers like the prayer we used earlier uh, through the intercession of St. Lawrence and links to read us recipes. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. 
Good morning. The wildfires in Hawaii have now killed at least 36 people. Officials in Maui said the deaths were discovered amid the active Lahaina fire. The wind whipped wildfires have forced hundreds of people to evacuate, overwhelmed hospitals, and drove some people into the ocean to escape the flames. Entire blocks of homes and businesses in the historic Lahaina town went up in flames in a matter of hours in areas where fires fueled by wind from a passing hurricane were concentrated. More than 270 structures have been damaged or destroyed, and President Biden is pledging federal assistance. Pope Francis has offered his prayers for people affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia, where floods and mudslides have caused death and destruction. He did so at his general audience yesterday, which resumed after a July hiatus. He also prayed for Ukraine through the intercession of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, a co-patron of Europe, on her feast day, praying that they may soon find peace again. In his catechesis time, the Holy Father reflected on his experience during World Youth Day last week in Portugal. He said it was a gift of God felt by all. Federal officials say a Utah man was shot and killed during an FBI raid related to threats against President Biden. Mark Mayfield reports. The FBI says the shooting happened as special agents trying to serve arrest and search warrants at a Provo residence. On Monday, the man allegedly made a threatening post about Biden's visit to Utah this week. Biden is scheduled to travel to Utah Thursday as part of a tour of western states. The man also allegedly threatened Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. I'm Mark Mayfield. Religious liberty training for three Southwest Airlines attorneys has been part of a judge's order related to a flight attendant who said she was fired for her pro-life views. U.S. District Judge Brantley Starr ordered the attorneys to undergo eight hours of training from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Starr referred to the ADF as a conservative Christian legal advocacy group that is particularly well-suited to provide such training. Southwest said it will appeal the ruling, which also includes paying the plaintiff's legal fees. Southwest is also appealing an $800,000 judgment previously awarded to the plaintiff. Ethiopian bishops are appealing for a peaceful solution in a new conflict that's looming in the country's northern regions. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Fighting broke out across Ethiopia's second most populous region earlier last week between the Fano militiamen and federal troops, prompting Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed to declare the state of emergency. During the two-year civil war in neighboring Tigray, Fano militias and the Ethiopian army were allies. However, their relations have deteriorated, in part over recent efforts by federal authorities to weaken regional paramilitary groups. In a message released this week on the occasion of the annual 15-day fast for the Assumption of Mary, the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Ethiopia urged both parties to stop the fighting and find a peaceful solution to their differences through dialogue. 
We believe that the political will of the government is very important for the dialogue to take place, the bishop said. At the same time, the bishops invited all people of faith and of goodwill to pray for justice and peace to prevail in Ethiopia. The civil war in Tigray broke out in November 2020 after months of rising tensions between the federal government and rebels of the Tigray People's Liberation Front, killing over 3,000 civilians and displacing tens of thousands. Both sides have been blamed for repeated war crimes, mass killings of civilians and other atrocities. The conflict has left the Tigray region in dire need of human aid, which has been slow to arrive due to ongoing insecurity. I am Lisa Zengarini. And PPI medications are being linked to a greater risk of dementia for those taking them over the course of several years. That is according to research published in the journal Neurology. PPI medications are proton pump inhibitors, which millions of Americans take to treat heartburn and acid reflux. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Why is the name of a saint given in baptism? The name of a saint is given in baptism in order that the person baptized may imitate his virtues and have him as a protector. Sometimes children are named after sports stars. Other times, children are named after movie stars, and it turns out that the movie star, well, turns rotten. But when a child is named after a saint, that is a model he can always imitate and always look up to, because he's in heaven, and he has that saint as a protector. I once was present when a man was dying, and as we prayed the litany of the saints, when that man's patron saint was named, that's precisely when the man gave up his life. What a beautiful image of how the saint was with him at the very end. Thus, we can see the importance of parents naming their children after saints to give them a model to imitate and a protector to be with them from the beginning to the end of life. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swam, joined now by Gary Machuda. And Gary has got a book we've been going through called The Gospel Truth. And it is a fascinating walk through how we got the Bible, what it means, and uh, how we can really know what Christ actually did teach. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So I have a multifaceted question that you may spend the next time just answering this this first one off the bat. Uh, but it is, what language... Did the gospel writers speak? 
what language did they write in, and was it the same language? <laughs> yeah, great question. Yeah, what language did the gospel writers speak? Well, um, it, yeah, uh, that's a good question. It could be um, Hebrew, of course, would be the indigenous language, uh, or Aramaic. Probably Aramaic at this point in the first century would be the common language of land. Uh, Hebrew is more like a liturgical language, kind of like how Latin is today for Catholics. Um, and, of course, Greek was the language of the empire. And so anybody uh, that's part of the empire in order to trade and so on, you would be fluent in Greek. So that was the language that was spoken. Now, the language which the Gospel artists wrote, uh, the earliest manuscripts we have of the Gospels are in Greek. And that's really important, because this one step in my book, um, you know, at first I... I we, we talked about how Jesus taps into this rabbi-disciple relationship within Judaism. And then, you know, when you get to the Gospels, they're Greek, but the strange thing is that occasionally they don't speak Greek. They, they tend to be speaking something more like Hebrew or Aramaic in the Greek language. Kind of like Spanglish, almost. <laughs> I mean, not, <laughs> yeah, that's not the... There's not a one-to-one equivalent, but it is interesting that if you read through the Gospels, there are a few things that don't get translated at all, which would lead one to believe that there are some of these words that even though they are um, you know, words that are Hebrew, a Greek speaker, they might be common enough to where people might kind of have a sense of what they are. And some of them, where it's not common enough, the actually the translation's provided in the text itself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and we're familiar with those words, uh, even though, uh, I mean, even in our English translation, they're, they're transliterated. In other words, they're basically, ta- uh, the letters are taken and put into the English alphabet. So words like Abba, Father, uh, Messiah, Anointed, Rabbi, Hosanna, Amen, Korban, Sabbath, uh, you know, these are not Greek words. They're They're Hebrew words, and uh, and of course you have Hebrew names, you have Hebrew place names, or, or uh, Aramaic names and place names. Uh, you have phrases, uh, short phrases that are actually brought into the Greek that are Aramaic as well, like when Jesus says uh, to the little girl, uh, the, the ears be open, it's telethakume. So um, that's not Greek, that's Aramaic. Yeah, I think one of my favorites is when, uh, in the story of Bartimaeus, um, there's the uh, name of Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, <laughs> right? And you're like, that's a weird thing. Doesn't Bartimaeus, doesn't Bar mean son? Like, there are some things in here that, that, that show that, that the the readers have kind of a blended understanding of Greek and Hebrew, but they still need things kind of in Greek, or at least that's where the gospel writers are, are aiming their story. But, I mean, does this help us get a sense of when the Gospels were written? Because some modern scholars who, who want to debunk the Gospels will say, well, he's written way, way later, so there's no way for us to know if they're true or not. But it seems to me like what you're describing in terms of the cultures that are trying to be reflected sounds kind of like the cultural melting pot that was first century Palestine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of dating, you know, in my book, what I do is I go through and I, I kind of uncover this stuff. So the, the original uh, people who read the Gospels in Greek, 
they would probably find it's kind of jarring, you know, that there's these uh, little patches of Aramaic and so on. And in fact, you could even dive deeper in the next chapter when we talk again. You know, you can actually see some things that are hidden underneath the Greek. But uh, what this shows is that the Gospels that we have, even though the earliest manuscripts we have are in Greek, they show that they're using uh, even earlier sources that are not Greek. So there's what's called pre-canonical sources. So what that does is that the typical dating that we have for the Gospels, uh, the material that the Gospels are relying on actually stems even closer to the time of Christ. And that's really important in terms of opening up the possibility that, yeah, these are true accounts, because the closer the writing is to the events they record, the greater probability that they're going to record it accurately, because there'll be a lot more people around who actually witnessed it, and they could compare what's written to what happened. All right, so Gary, your hypothesis just caused a massive crisis of faith for a certain group of Christians. Well, maybe not. But if you are a sola scriptura <laughs> person, that is a you can't you can't really that that's that's a that's a hard one to take, right? Well, that would make you think, well, maybe the the ones that we got it from are the actual scriptures and what we have is a cheap knockoff and maybe we can't know. And what is what does this do to sola scriptura? It's actually not a problem for us as Catholics, right? Because we understand no, no. scripture, tradition, and the magisterium, and that the gospels, like a whole bunch of other things, came through a tradition and an authoritative apostolic witness. <laughs> so, yeah. what we have yeah. is the product of all that stuff together. So it's not it's not a problem for Catholics. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think even for uh, sola scriptura Christians, it shouldn't be either, because uh, the Greek manuscripts are those that are inspired, that divine providence has handed down to the Church. And so uh, all this shows is that the Holy Spirit, you know, inspired the Greek uh, writers to use this material, and there's a reason why, you know, it, the Holy Spirit decided to use this material, and that's to help us vindicate the Gospels, and also to dig deeper to learn more about, you know, the amazing wisdom that they contain. So, so I don't know. I don't think a soul scripturist really ought to worry about that, um, simply because, you know, the Greek manuscripts are the, the, the ones that are inspired by God. I mean, unless you're like a really hardcore, like super extra fundamentalist or something like that, I suppose. Perhaps, you yeah. know, maybe that, you right. know, if you're one who you know, holds the theory that the Catholic Church is suppressing the real Gospels or something, <laughs> something to that yeah, effect. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, in I mean, fact, is, you know, even but, in the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament uses other sources. So, you know, <laughs> if it's a problem in the New Testament, it's a problem in the Old Testament, too. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Gary Machuda, your book is called The Gospel Truth, and I know our listeners are going to want to be interested in that, as well as uh, in Hands-On Apologetics, which is a great resource. How can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, just go to handsonapologetics.com, and you can find all the stuff I do. Again, the book, The Gospel Truth, How We Can Know What Christ Taught. Gary Machuda, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, quarter till. We're back right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? 
Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Are you living life or are you on autopilot? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 minutes before the hour, here's Anna with headlines. The wildfires in Hawaii have now killed at least 36 people on the island of Maui. President Biden is pledging federal assistance. Pope Francis offered his prayers for people affected by natural disasters in Slovenia and Georgia and renewed his prayers through the intercession of St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross for Ukraine. He did so during his Wednesday general audience yesterday. And the bishops of Ethiopia are appealing for a peaceful solution in a new conflict that's looming in the country's northern region. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Twelve till now. The Sunrise Morning Show continues and Dan Stercenic is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're working on getting his wife, Debbie, on the line. He and Debbie have put together a new rosary book for married couples called Icon of Love. Dan, good morning. Good morning. Oh, no. Where's Debbie? I don't know. I might have to put... She's a star. (laughs) Oh, I know. Well, she has written quite a few um, rosary meditation books um, that are, are just wonderful, and this one there, too. So maybe you can go find her in the house. I I know I told you oh, that yes. we were going to put you guys in different rooms so we didn't get an echo, <laughs> but maybe you two can pass the phone back and forth together. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. while I've got you on the line here, Dan, 
Why did you guys want to put together a rosary book for married couples specifically? Well, thank you for the question. I just put you on speakerphone. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, and here comes Debbie. Okay, she was down there dutifully waiting for her phone to ring. <laughs> uh, so, hey, Debbie, there's Annie. Hi, Annie. Hi, Debbie. Good to hear your voice, too. I'm sorry we're having some technical difficulties. I was, I had this whole plan, folks. I was like, you got to be on different phones. You got to be in different rooms so that we don't get weird echoes and things. And now the Lord just wants the two of you together, clearly. Uh, just make sure you keep the phone up next to your mouth when you're talking. So why did you want to put together this, this rosary book for married couples? Um, well, Annie, I think probably the most honest answer is because it seems that that's what the Holy Spirit wanted. Um, right after I had published On a Mission to Love, I had three very unexpected people in three days suggest that I should write a set of rosary meditations for married couples. And honestly, I really didn't even want to do that because I had just published two books in two years and I kind of wanted to take a break. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to me in threes, I, you know, I try to pay attention. So I took it to prayer and then um, ultimately asked Dan to co-write the book with me. And when we did the research, we didn't see any books out there, um, any rosary meditations specifically written for married couples. Wow. So what do you think is the benefit of married couples praying the rosary together for common intentions? I'll do that one, Debbie? Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, Annie, I guess the best way I can address that would have to be from our personal experience. Um, from, from my own point of view, um, the greatest benefit is it always brings us closer together when we're praying together and, and together closer to God. So it, it, it brings up this sense of really being one flesh, like in our sacramental marriage. And, you know, it's just us and God then. And, and it really feels like we, we leave the world for a while and enter into a discussion together with God and, um, you know, brings our shared needs to the front. We keep them in mind, whether it's praying with one of these books or, you know, for a specific intention that's important in our life right then. But it ends up almost being like our own little marriage retreat every day. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and I'd just say, just, it may be interesting, um, this book was primarily written that way. Back in Lent of 2022, we spent almost every day during Lent praying the rosary together with the early versions of these meditations, you know, and they had come together over a really long time. When Debbie said she got it three times in three days, she didn't say what year that was. <laughs> this book was really stubborn. And so this was kind of our way of begging the Holy Spirit to please, please help us finish this book. But, you know, every single time we prayed together with these um, meditations, they changed. Wow. There was a new insight or a new inspiration or, like, why did we ever think that or write that? So, you know, for a while it almost felt like we're going backwards. Uh, but in, in the end, it was, it was really a, a good way for us to use shared prayer. Well, that sounds uh, really appropriate um, in terms of, of being able to come up with a book that would have rosary meditations for, for married couples to, to really 
I mean, in a way, struggle with together, um, which yep. I think is is quite beautiful. So can you talk about the ways in which you help us enter into the mysteries of the rosary as we pray them? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll, just continue, yeah, I'll just continue for a minute. Um, we really deliberately looked for ways to do just that. And in the end, there are several things kind of embedded in the way the book is written, and in particular in the way that maybe you can see it, but I know the listeners can't. There's a two-page spread for every mystery, Mm -hmm. and within that two-page spread are these several ways. And the first is visual. Debbie's very visual. She's got an eye for beauty, and she selected really beautiful iconography to go with each mystery. And, you know, maybe maybe she'll want to say more about that. But um, I, and I can actually think some couples will spend their time praying together while just gazing at those icons, and maybe never even go to the written meditations. Mm. You know, but but then below each icon is kind of a second thing that people could use, which is a, a Bible verse that we selected to to try to illuminate the individual mystery. So, for example, today is a Thursday, and if we think about the luminous mysteries and just pick the baptism of the Lord, the verse under there would be Matthew three sixteen and 17, which concludes with that beautiful, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. So a different couple may just want to meditate on that verse as, as they pray that decade. And then, you know, there's a couple other things, Annie. Third, there, there's an intention, a short, you know, very brief intention that we wrote for each mystery, sticking with the baptism of the Lord, that intention is to imitate the love of the Holy Trinity, and, and, and in fact, for our marriage to imitate the love of the Holy Trinity. So you could pray the whole decade with just that in mind. And then finally, and probably most obviously, we have written one-line meditations for every Hail Mary in every mystery. And those meditations, I used the word illuminate before, but I'll use it again, tend to illuminate that mystery line by line by line, and at the same time have really specific intentions for your marriage. Like, for example, every single mystery has the intention, come Holy Spirit into our marriage, and then you say Hail Mary. And then it has the intention, Lord, make our marriage an icon of your love, and then you say the Hail Mary. Yeah, it's really, really, really beautiful. Um, Listeners, if you are not familiar with Debbie's uh, On a Mission to Love for Children, um, particularly, Debbie, I have to say, the flashcards that you did um, are a favorite of my daughters. Um, I love, love, love everything you do with these um, mysteries of the rosary for, for children and now for married couples with Icon of Love. You can find On a Mission to Love linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dan and Debbie, thank you so much. Thank Thank you so much. God bless you. All right, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.